does our history and our values explain America's health care system? You're listening to ReachMD XM 157, the channel for medical professionals. Welcome to the Clinician's Roundtable. I'm your host, Dr. Maurice Pickard, and joining me today is David Johnson, who is a Managing Director of the Healthcare Group of City Global Markets. Thank you very much, Dave, for joining us today. Thank you, Maury. Could you begin with, just describe in your own opinion, what is the unique character of America's healthcare system? What's interesting about the American healthcare system is it's really unlike uh, that we find in any other part of the developed world. It's not like Canada. It's not like any of the countries in Europe. It's not even like the developed Asian countries. Our system is uh, unique in the level of spending, the advancement of technology, the level of innovation, the degree to which others uh, come from the rest of the world to take advantage of our care. But at the same point, even though we spend more money, we have remarkable gaps in the distribution of our facilities, in the coverage of patients so on. And so when you sit and think about the unique character of American healthcare, on the one hand, we have the absolute best healthcare money can buy, and we are uh, remarkable in our ability to, to peel back the frontier and find path-breaking research, cure disease. But at the same time, we're awful in a global sense on doing some very basic things, uh, providing basic access to all our citizens. We've looked upon the individual to really resolve and be responsible for many of the health care problems we have. We've looked at the market to drive and solve our problems. We've looked at competition and winning. Are you saying really that some of these traits that are so ingrained in our history, going back to Jefferson, uh, actually may be impeding us in trying to resolve our problems? Absolutely saying that. I'm co-authoring a paper on our U.S. healthcare system with, with Nancy Kane, one of the deans at the Harvard School of Public Health, where we're looking at the types of values you're talking about and their impact on the healthcare system. And just picking up on a couple that you mentioned there, uh, individualism, we have a long history of revering the individual. As a result, uh, we've placed remarkable emphasis on the individual, and many of our, our American myths surround that, from Horatio Alger to John Wayne. So as we think about individuals and the role of individuals in the United States and the fact that we frequently place individual benefit above group benefit, it's not really surprising that in the U.S. healthcare system that uh, the individual wants whatever health care they need right away when they need it. And since we don't have market mechanisms like we do in the rest of our activity, sort of balancing how much health care an individual gets and wants at any given time, uh, that leads to... Uh, dramatic demand for healthcare services. Providers, on the other hand, in their attempt to win and be aggressive for their patients are providing more healthcare when the patients want it. So that's one side of the coin. The other side of the coin is that for those that are outside the system, and we now have close to 50 million uninsured, my belief is that, again, because of this ingrained belief in individualism, that at some level we believe it's their own fault if they don't have health insurance. They've made a choice or haven't been diligent in providing for themselves and their families. And I think that's how we tolerate it as a society. So to me, it's impossible to understand the existence of 50 million uninsured patients if at some level you don't look to American individualism and the belief that uh, while we give everybody an opportunity to succeed in grand style, that if they don't, at some level, it's their own fault. 
You know, we keep hearing this 50 million number and it's knocked around, but I think an even more disturbing number is that there may be 80 or 90 million people in the United States that sometime during the next year will be without insurance. So there is breakage in coverage, which also can lead to a financial disaster for a family that uh, they can not get out of for many, many years. You've talked about our system being fragmented in your various publications, and I'd like to just ask and take advantage of your knowledge. How does the banking industry and the healthcare groups at various large financial institutions look at the American system and how do they see a way of solving it? I, I know I'm sure Wall Street looks at risk and return as the, the major god in the financial world. But do people in the financial industry look back and say, what can be done to solve this situation? What are the reforms or solutions that may be out there that appeal to them? That's actually a many-layered question. Let me give you uh, layer one and then layer two. And layer one is going to sound very negative. I think it's almost impossible to overstate how narrow the focus is of, of Wall Street investors. Essentially, and I tend to work with the large nonprofit healthcare systems, tax-exempt organizations that work hard to provide a community benefit. What's unique about those organizations is, on the one hand, we ask them to fulfill a substantial charitable mission, train doctors, educate the community, provide care for the indigent, and so on. On the other hand, we force them out into the free capital markets to raise money to uh, fund their capital programs. And quite honestly, without access to capital, uh, hospital systems would wither and die. And we're actually seeing some of that in the inner city. But what I tell my healthcare clients is Wall Street, by and large, has absolutely zero interest in your, your healthcare mission. All they really care about is are they going to get paid back the money that they loan you in, in bonds? And all of the sort of covenants and documentation surrounding an offering uh, are really geared toward that to set up a relationship that guarantees the highest level of security and repayment. And it's impossible to overstate how narrow that focus is. On the other hand, I don't think anybody is sitting around thinking broad scale, how are we going to solve this? But on the other hand, uh, since another axiom of, of investment banking is that capital flows to the highest return projects, uh, there is a belief, uh, and I, I share this belief, that, that those that develop better ways of treating disease or uh, a better product, an implant, or a new type of drug that revolutionizes uh, care in some way or another, that money will find its way in a free market system to fund those initiatives. And in that sense, uh, while it's, it's more of a bottom-up uh, rather than a top-down solution to the problem, that uh, to the extent that healthcare investment will lead to solutions, whether it's in home care or technology or information systems, uh, and that there will be clear winners uh, that distinguish themselves and distinguish themselves by providing better care, um, then there will be money and a market system will provide that. And again, it's more of a bottom-up with people looking at opportunity and seeing value. Part of the challenge, though, when you look at the U.S. healthcare system from a market perspective is and this is going to be more focused on providers, is that it's almost impossible to uh, determine value. And basic economic definition of value is an outcome at a certain price. And, you know, as a patient, it's almost impossible, one, to know how much something actually costs, and two, since the data on outcomes and is in its very much early stages, almost impossible to determine exactly what the outcome is in any given circumstance. So, Consumers who have very highly developed instincts are left 
really using anecdotal information to make their healthcare choices. And if we are ultimately going to have market-based healthcare reform, there has to be enormous improvement in the transparency surrounding what is the price for a service and what is the outcome for service. One of the interesting developments in the market are these uh, minute clinics that are showing up in retail outlets like Walmart and so on. If you've ever seen one, you, you go in and there's a price list on the back of the board for all of the procedures that they provide. And, and that degree of clarity with the expectation of exactly what is going to come about from that um, is something that American consumers can respond to. Now, obviously, those are the most basic services, but in starting there and moving up through the acuity chain, having much more definition around what something costs and what the value is that uh, comes out of that is vital, I think, to the long-term health of the system. You know, that brings up an, an interesting topic. You've talked about the mini-clinic, but we're now beginning to see, actually, patients being moved across borders. Uh, Metacity in New Delhi is a 1,600-bed hospital, huge center opening up in 2008. The staff speaks English. Their prices for various operations and procedures will be a, a well-known price list. Will we begin to see third-party payers, insurance companies, people who are responsible for paying the bills begin to actually outsource patients across borders. As far as India, paying a first-class ticket for the whole family, giving them a couple weeks in a very nice hotel may be indeed cheaper than going to a academic or your own community hospital. I think we're definitely going to see uh, more of that in the future. There are already something like 20 companies operating in the United States that match people up with hospitals in other countries for basic services. The numbers are, in the aggregate, very small, but undoubtedly will will grow larger. The Medicity is a is an excellent example of that. That is going to be an absolute state of the art. Uh, facility with as modern a design as any you would see in the United States or Europe, be among the largest hospitals in the world. They have uh, large horizontal floors uh, where they've centralized uh, diagnostics, uh, OR uh, lab and so on, and then have several patient towers on top of those long horizontal platforms uh, divided by especially world-class surgeons. And as you were saying, the pricing is absolutely transparent there, and uh, they are working diligently on the outcomes data. And the crux of it is it costs about one-tenth to build and operate that facility as it would an equivalent facility here in the United States. So it is possible to provide the care at a fraction of the cost and then carry the extra burden of airfare and lodging and so on uh, and still be dramatically lower overall than it would be in the U.S. Now, the other thing that is a byproduct of this is right now uh, tens of millions of people come from other countries to get their health care in the United States. A relatively small country, South Korea sends 600,000 people a year, and they spend an average of $40,000 per case. That's almost $2.5 billion from one country. Uh, To the extent that uh, other countries begin to build facilities that have equivalent outcomes and lower costs, we are also, going to, as, a, as a nation, going to lose much of that volume. That will happen before you'll see widespread uh, migration outside the United States. So I worry that the U.S. system is, by and large, a closed system, that we, we spend all of our attention focused on ourselves uh, in the very difficult regulatory environment under which we operate. And while all this is going on, others outside the, the U.S. Um, are adapting our broader lessons regarding markets and transparency and respect for the individual and so on, and in so doing, are building facilities that uh, rival ours at a fraction of the cost. And if we don't 
pay attention to that reality, we could wake up one day and find that 10 or 15 percent of the surgeries are going offshore. Boards of hospitals have always responded to the needs of the community, and as time has gone on, however, they've begun to reflect, certainly sitting on board meetings that I've been on, where is our profit coming from, where do we need to invest our monies, and so the directions that are being, uh, the directions of the hospital that are being directed by the boards are focusing on how to make money. I think we should be hearing footsteps from across the borders and be responding to them. We may find ourselves in a situation that we don't want to be when our patients are actually leaving us to travel a long way. I want to thank David Johnson for being our guest today and discussing health care problems in the United States. He's a managing director of the health care group at City Global Markets. And you've been listening to ReachMD XM 157, the channel for medical professionals. I'm your host, Dr. Maurice Pickard. To listen to our on-demand library, visit us at ReachMD.com. If you have comments or suggestions, call us at 888-XM-157. Thank you for listening.